What is up and welcome back to Zen Business, the show that studies health and mindfulness habits that ultra high performers use to reach the top of their industry and their craft. I'm your host, Jonathan Maxim, Managing Director at K&J Growth Hackers and founder of five digital companies. We've grown these companies to great levels and created an exciting and fulfilling life for our team members, but the truth is it was much more challenging than we ever could have imagined. All right, now let's jump in. All right, what is up? And welcome back to Zen Business here in the studio today. I have Eric Creekmore. What's up, brother? The man, the myth, the legend. He is a uh, proliferant, um, what's the word? Proliferous? Proliferous entrepreneur with, I don't know, what, five different businesses that you own? Uh, This year we started five. (laughs) So there's a handful. I'm losing track, honestly. Well, uh, it's a pleasure to have you in the studio. Um, do you mind just giving us a little bit of background on kind of where you come from and like what you're kind of, give us a snapshot of, of where you're at today. And then I'd love to like dig into a little bit of your background, kind of figure out how you got here. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me. Um, I mean, for the most part, you know, I've, I've always been kind of the entrepreneur of the family, uh, got a little bit of it from my dad and just never had a real job. So I found myself in sales, you know, pretty much the last 15 years and that led into you know where we are today is owning you know multiple businesses uh, my I guess forte is building systems recruiting training and developing people into leaders and showing them how to build businesses too so um, so for the most part uh, most of our businesses now are in financial services so got some side projects couple apps and um, you know, different little hobbies, if you will, that financial services has actually uh, been able to bless me with the time and financial freedom to, you know, pursue those stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely want to hear more about that financial freedom component because I think of anybody I've met, you've done the best job of empowering yourself with your time, like buying your time back through systems and automation and, and passive income businesses. So that's really fascinating to me. But uh, I, I don't actually know that much about your background. Can you tell me about like some of those formative moments that you were in, that you remember from when you were a kid that kind of like they're, they're like linchpins that, you know, were, you know, turning points in your life and determined how you approach things like business and life wise? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up playing sports and I think that, you know, kind of sets the, the mentality for what business owners actually have to go through, the, you know, the adversity, the discipline being in, you know, a team player, getting um, beat up, <laughs> getting beat up. Yeah. And having some endurance. So, you know, sports taught me a lot. So growing up, you know, I, I watched my dad, you know, go from working for someone to owning his own business and seeing how that affected our family in a positive way and some, you know, downsides to, to that as well. And, you know, my plan was to take that business over when I, you know, I graduated college. So, uh, that's when the economy took a dive and therefore didn't get into construction because that's the kind of business that he ran. So, you know, just really growing up, of everything from mowing lawns to helping him with construction to selling knives to selling vacuums to working at nightclubs. I mean, I, I never really liked working, you know, the nine to five deal. Um, so, you know, when when the economy took a dive, I had to pivot and really at that point in my life, you know, I'd just been out of school, hadn't really saved up any money, and honestly, I had to kind of start over, so I moved to South Florida and moved in with my sister, and 
you know, literally didn't have a dollar to my name. I think my mom was giving me like a couple hundred bucks a week to like eat and um, took a took a random interview. Uh, ended up being in financial services, insurance, and you know, did really well at it. Just you know, I think being able to connect with people, uh, being able to be disciplined, and and uh, really just you know, sales is just a numbers game uh, when it when it all comes down to it and getting better every day. So. I think that was a pivotal moment in my career because then I started making real money and I was taught that you had to like put, you know, time into to growing yourself, not just your business and the self-development thing became a, a big piece in that. And then fast forward a few years, uh, you know, thought I was crushing it, but was looking up at my mentors and they weren't out in the field selling every day. They weren't out, you know, buying leads. They were recruiting and and developing uh, people and that's when I decided that that's what I want to do and you know that allowed me to to your point to leverage other people's time for my own you know benefit while getting them to where they want to go which has really created a business instead of me being self-employed meaning me trading my time for dollars and then once I figured out that secret sauce and I'm still learning every day, like now I can apply that in so many different areas and just keep, you know, keep applying it in different industries and different ideas. And so, yeah, it's kind of a wrap. Now you got this multi-million dollar portfolio. You're heading to Thailand tomorrow, flying first class. And I'd say you did pretty well. And I definitely look up to you as a mentor. But you said something earlier I want, I want to grab onto for a second. Uh, business is like sports. And I remember I was just recently listening to a political pundit talk about how we need to eradicate sports from schools because it creates this kind of unhealthy competition and makes people get, you know, last place and stuff like that. And I just thought of how, uh, how loony that sounded to me. Cause I'm like, then our kids aren't learning camaraderie. They're not learning teamwork. They're not learning cooperation. They're not learning conflict. And I just thought that was fucking outrageous that people are considering taking sports out of school and like you know when my fiance who's in you know corporate comms and hr and stuff like that they don't they're very active about not calling their their team uh, a family a lot of small businesses call their 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 team a family but really it's a it's a world-class high performance team and that's what it is and that's really the kind of training that i think has made you who you are is that kind of competitive proactive kind of aggressive healthy aggressive spirit and like you know if, if if i told you that your kids couldn't play sports what would you say well i mean first of all you probably wouldn't hear that in florida that's where i'm from you'd, you'd probably hear the quite the opposite we're, we're a big sports state so that's the first i've heard of it, it doesn't surprise me though and it, I, and i was honestly uh listened to, to to a speaker the other day and they were talking about you know the the men nowadays are so soft like because they're not aggressive they fail to take these you know like think about like fighting for example like i grew up getting in fights like that's just Me what too. happened and we had to make quick decisions and we had to execute and that's you know kind of like sports it taught me that as well and that's what business is is execution um being able to make decisions quickly and not being afraid of what could happen and you know i think that goes along with talking about no sports and you know i think you know sports church you know all that stuff it's there to teach you foundation you know give you guidance and structure and principles and you know and i and i think 
whether it's sports or, or something that is structured that does test you know your character and, and puts you through adversity I mean most people you know that are protected like that they don't face adversity and unfortunately when they finally do it's kind of too late and they don't know how to handle it and you know that's where you, the depression comes in the suicides you know the all the different things we hear about on the news that's just what I feel like is the major cause is they don't know how to deal with their their own adversity their own their own emotions because they just haven't been through it yeah I remember I had this really um, smart dude who worked with me uh, way back when I was in corporate and he's He's talking to me about mus- muscle atrophy, how you want your muscles to break down and tear. And he was literally saying it like that. And one of our directors walked by and she's like, you're looking for muscle atrophy? And it's like, that is the basis of how growth happens. You have to tear the muscles, the, the striations expand, and then oxygen is flooded to them and then protein and it synthesizes new muscles. So if you're not working out, then you essentially will get bad because, well, you'll just get weak because your body doesn't need that muscle, right? And so if you're not challenged, there's kind of no reason for your mind and body to grow. And and I think that's like really something that like you've uh, been a, a good embodiment of is just like not being afraid of that adversity, whether it's in sales and, you know, smiling and dialing or whether that's in like, you know, starting in the financial services business, which is a very hard space to, to enter because it's all on you. You know, it's all commission based at first and stuff like that. Um, so that's I, I think that that everyone should kind of like take that little grain of salt and, and think about it, about how much you challenge yourself in, in, in business and life, because it's, it's ultimately the, the determiner of, of your, you know, your growth. Right? Yeah. And, and now, I mean, honestly, I look for problems. I look for things that are hard because that's where the money's at. Because if they're hard for me, they're hard for probably someone else, too. And if I can fix that, then therefore, wow. you know, the value comes in. So when I when we find and, and you'll you'll probably catch because we, we obviously work together and when things aren't smooth or at least they don't seem smooth, you know, success leaves clues as, as well as problems, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, you know, my. I'm the first one to just pick up on it and it's just like, let's stop right there and let's just rewind and let's figure out how we can maybe make this a little bit better. You know, call it lazy or call it, you know, just that I'm, I don't like inefficiencies in anything I do. Um, I think by seeking out those problems is where a lot of people might just either get casual with it and just accept it or they just don't know that it's a problem. Yeah, I think uh, one of my friends said uh, pain is a feedback loop. It's telling you something's wrong. And in business, I mean, a lot of people, their first uh, intuition is to be like, oh, this isn't working, right? Well, if it's not working for you, that means other people have encountered it, running up against that problem and not solved it. So if you solve it, you're that much out further ahead. But, um, you know, I, I know that you're working on this this business called ERC. And the, the when when you told me about the ERC credit, the government program, I was, my first first intuition was this is too good to be true. And like laziness that never leads to growth. But this is genuinely the first time I've seen for business owners that they have an opportunity to capitalize on something that literally does not require work and you can get paid for it. So can, can you tell me a little bit about how the CRC program looks and like, you know, what, what the opportunity is there? Yeah, so just like, <clears throat> just like PPP, right? Payment Protection Program. Uh, this is a program in the CARES Act for the, obviously small business owners during COVID to make sure that they stayed in business. I mean, it's the lifeblood of our country. So 
that's what the money was allocated for. But the issue was is when they had first wrote the legislation, you couldn't do both. And the banks were pushing PPP, so that's what everyone did, and it was quick, and you know, that's just what people, you know, ended up gravitating to. Well, along with that, you had to show a reduction in revenue. Well, not a lot of many or not a lot of people actually qualified based on those parameters. So you had all this money that was allocated for this program though, the employee retention credit. And they had to get rid of the money. I mean, it was already allocated. It's for the small business owner. So they shut the program down. But before they shut it down, they actually changed the legislature. They've actually changed it seven times um, total since they put it into action. But they changed the, the qualification. So when most people were you know, going for PPP or the EIDL loans, they were looking at ERC, but they were told, no, they don't qualify by their, by their CPA, their accountant, whoever was handling their PPP. And that might have been true at the time, and they just never went and revisited it. So what we're finding and you know, is that more and more people are starting to understand that this isn't the old ERC. It, it actually, there is still money there for you. Um, and what it is, is it's, it's a refund of W-2 wages. So if you're a small business owner, you've got less than 500 full-time employees, and you were at all disrupted Basically, by COVID, the, the supply chain shutdowns, uh, you don't have to show a reduction in revenue, but if you, if you did, um, as well as you don't have to worry about if you already had PPP because you can still qualify. So there was actually an article in Forbes uh, a little earlier this year that 85 was, 80, 85% of small businesses actually still qualify for some kind of money, and about 10% of them actually know they qualify. So, you know, back about a year ago, I tried to figure out how to get this credit for myself as well and found that, again, to your point, like this is not an easy process. So we started looking around, talking to people, and we ended up finding some guys that, that used to work with us that created this company to do fulfillment. And it was all automated and it was seamless. Now, it hasn't been necessarily smooth sailing because it's a new, new business. It never but is. So we partnered with them, and um, we just crossed over 4.5 billion in credits uh, processed, and you know that's 4.5 bill. 4.5 billion. That's so businesses that you facilitated their essentially their refund mm -hmm. check from the IRS. Actually, mine's supposed to come any day now. Where are we going? <laughs> Thailand, baby. <laughs> um, maybe not because it's monsoon time, but. Um, so you, you've, you've gotten small businesses with 4.5 billion back in refunds. Correct. From the government. Yep. For free. For free. I mean, really all it is is it's a refund of W-2 wages. It's not, a, it's not a grant. It's not something you gotta pay back. You don't have to use it for anything particular. So it's literally checks from the IRS and the Treasury Department that you can spend as a business owner, either on yourself, on your business, on your family, literally wow. whatever you need need it for yeah look as much as uh you know i haven't agreed with everything that's been happening politically if 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 they're uh instituting programs to help out small business owners i mean everyone knows that's the the backbone of america right i'm i think that's amazing i think that's a that's a great use of our money rather than like sending it overseas or you know doing more you know entitlement programs and stuff but for for a small business to get funding to help them through i mean a lot of them were left with 
you know, residual damage from COVID. We certainly were, you know, we had just like started opening an office and all kinds of stuff back then. And then like, couldn't work from them, you know? So it just cost us a lot. It was a lot of stress too. Yeah. And some, and some businesses now they forget about that feeling they had when they had to shut down for the first time. Like Mm -hmm. no one had any clue if this was ever going to end, right? If the business was going to survive. So although, you know, you might not be, you might not have this money already or you didn't get it during COVID, that's what the money was for is that time that you actually had to pivot, you had to make adjustments, you didn't shut down and you stayed in business. So, you know, I think the, the big thing is, is just taking another look at it and, um, you know, and, and also letting people know about it, letting yeah. people know that maybe don't know um, that the things have changed. Yeah, you said only 10% of businesses are aware. I, I frankly wasn't aware, and I'm on top of that stuff. I was on top of the PPP and the EIDL. But, you know, I guess if you're a small business owner out there and you had W-2s, you should for sure just do the little check on your, on your website and see if, like, you qualify for anything. I did, and I didn't even have that many W-2s because we were a marketing agency. Most of our team is, like, full-time equivalents or contractors. So, I don't know. I was pleasantly surprised to get some. But... um how long, how long does it take for, you know, from the time that you apply and get approved? Like, how long does it take to get a check in the mail? So what we're seeing right now is once it's actually submitted to the IRS, it's running about four months to get a, not a check back. Um, now, that's if we're doing it because we've obviously done this at a high scale. We know exactly how to qualify you, how to substantiate the claim, all the documents they're looking for, all the reasons that they're looking for. Um, and and a proprietary way of calculating everything. So to, to go and do this or to even have your CPA do it, this is, this is not something you necessarily want to go wing. No. Um, and I've seen personal friends of mine that, you know, before we got into this, that they're still waiting on. Two years later, they haven't gotten a check. Wow. Uh, and they can't get in touch with anyone at the IRS. So, you know, it, it comes to one of those things like you probably want to get someone that's a professional at this to do it. Um, so that it does come expeditedly, it's done right. And what, what's where, where should people go if they if they do want to check their pre-approval amount? So we can send a link. Um, we'll put it in the you. show notes. Yeah, so we'll put a, a link in there for them so that we can make sure that they go to the right spot. And I like to know like how how much my friends can affect you know business owners as well. So you know. Seeing your network get connected is, is probably the best way to do it. Absolutely. So uh, I imagine you're getting some decent amount of money back from it. Where, where are you going to invest that? Well, I'm going to just reinvest it in my, all of my different ventures and, and you know, travel. You know, I, I think there's going to be some sales coming up. Um, unfortunately, I, I, I don't think we've even scratched the surface of this. You mean recession. in terms of a recession? Okay. And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity out there. So, you know, I had the uh, short end of the stick back in 2008 when I got out of college with zero assets, zero, you know, zero wherewithal on on how to take advantage of it, even if I did. So uh, I'm excited for it. Uh, You know, I obviously in a position right now where cash is king and and it's just continuing to uh to come out and it's just a direct relation to how many people we're helping too so yeah i mean this is this is really the 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 time to buy whether that's talent businesses 
you know, real estate, et cetera. Um, I was looking at some metrics around the stock market and basically what, what it's saying is people, the money isn't necessarily gone. The value is out of the stock market, but people are pulling it back to cash because they want to retain the value. And compared to inflation, you're still, you're still beating the index of the ETFs if, if you pull it into cash. So the money is actually there. People have money. They just are looking for the, the right places and the right ways to invest it. If, if, of course, you've been you know building up that kind of uh, foundation for yourself. But for us, you know, we we saw we got hit really hard in, in February uh, business wise because we were serving a lot of tech companies and they got, you know, lost 80 percent of their value. But then we, we pivoted a little bit and other industries are just absolutely booming. And so, so we're investing heavily, right? We, we started a new business like a month and a half ago and it's, it's grown very, it, it hit the, the point where it took K and J five years, we hit it in one month in terms of monthly revenue. So, you know, there's, there's definitely opportunity in this space. And I think if people get this ERC credit, uh, this is the time to be in the investment mindset. And, um, you know, I'm curious, like what, which of the businesses that you're involved in are, are you most excited about right now? Well, all of them. Yeah, no. So, I mean, we're, so ERC is definitely something that we haven't seen, any, you know, in our, at least in my lifetime, um, as far as the opportunity, the, the cash from the government. Um, but what we're finding also is, you know, dealing with all these business owners is that there's a lot of inefficiencies on how they're serviced, right? They're very, you know, scattered. I mean, all small business owners are so busy, they got... You know, with all, the different, yeah, with all the different services that they need to run their business. I mean, you probably have 10 to 15 um, key account reps, you know, as a, as a medium to, to larger size business that, you know, a lot of these folks haven't even looked at any of this stuff since, you know, like workers comp or their 401k plan or their health benefits. Like a lot of this stuff that they haven't even, haven't even touched. So, you know, we're putting ourselves in a position now that when these, these, governmental programs that now that they you know took the lid off you know they're going to keep coming out with new new ones and so we're going to stay at the forefront of that so we can help um, anyone that we can with the governmental stuff but on the on the back side we're going to make sure that these business owners a know what to do with that money if they don't know and then b to make sure that we can't save them more money um, so that's super exciting um, and then I know we've been working on this, the app that I'm building, and this is more of like a passion project that, you know, just always having good ideas and never executing on them. And, you know, this one was just like, I, I'm just going to do it. So it's been fun because I'm, I'm not a tech guy and don't speak that language and learning a lot for sure. So can we talk about it or you, yeah. can we can we take the curtain away and show? We could we can yeah. conceptualize it. Yeah, I mean. So about a year ago, I sold everything I owned and uh, went and traveled the world, ran my businesses remote, you know, actually ended up making more money during that time while I was away, imagine that. But my, my problem that I encountered was that, you know, COVID kind of spread everyone out. Um, people were working remote, people moved, people were traveling more. Um, and I'm not the kind of guy that just likes to go to a random city or bar and just talk to, you know, someone at the bar. I'd like to, I prefer to know someone and go out with them and, and deepen the relationship. So uh, naturally, I was trying to text and look up where, where my friends were on Facebook and it just was very inefficient. So 
and I'm kind of a planner, but I'm also spontaneous. So if I knew that, you know, 10 of my friends were going to be in a city versus no one in another city, well, I'd probably rather go to that city. So, you know, I came up with a, an app that essentially combines your, you know, your LinkedIn, your, your Facebook, your contacts, to your calendar, to your map, so that you can coordinate where people will be instead of where they are. Um, it's also going to be used for communities because, you know, essentially communities in any form or fashion, um, you know, the value is in connecting and deepening those relationships to make the community stronger. So I'm excited. We'll, we'll see. Uh, we've got probably another 90 to 120 days before we're full blown, uh, ready to go. Got it. So it helps you see where your friends are at physically when you, so I, I, I can see that you're going to be in Chicago next weekend and maybe I'm considering going there and boom, I pop over. Or maybe I know you're going to be in LA in two weeks. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll block this day off. That's basically how it works. That's basically how it works. Yeah. If, if you actually want to see those people. <laughs> yeah. So obviously I think that implies that, you know, there's gotta be some privacy measures and stuff, but I, I think it's a cool concept to have like your inner circle, you know, maybe your, your five or your 10 guys who you, you share that openly with, and maybe your acquaintances you share, you know, with, less but maybe like you know 100 people who maybe you want to do business with or maybe you want to host an event stuff like that i think it's it's really smart yeah i heard a joke uh, when i was presenting this to one of our partners and uh, she was like well you can also see where people are going to be so you're not there <laughs> yeah that's great value as well you know that's like the the other end of the bell curve you know well that, that's pretty brilliant eric and i i definitely you know now that i've you know uh had a little bit of a look under the hood of the project i think it's got a ton of potential and i think you know really tapping into the human component that's missing like the, the physical aspect is missing right you can do everything remotely now so you know at, at what point do we become disconnected and then start having anxiety from a lack of social contact and stuff i think it's, it's already happening yeah yeah i mean we all you know we're the recipients of that from covid so now now that you've gotten into tech it, what, at what point did you go like what the fuck Every day. Every day. About an hour ago, too. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. No, it's just, you know, it's always something like right now I'm just trying to get the latest version on my phone. And it's I'm, I, I know I'm not that dumb or inadequate. And these guys are like, dude, just do this. And I'm like, man, what, what am I even doing now? And then, you know, I got to actually I get my partners in my financial services uh, business got on to me the other day because I was telling them I'm so freaking busy, but I'm turning down all the things they need me to do. And I'm, I'm starting to look at well, where's all my time going it's become you know more of a part to full-time really a full-time extra job getting this thing off the ground the app yeah i think yeah. you know my, my first company was an app i founded an app and i thought oh I'll, I'll i'll hop skip and jump over you know having to pay somebody 100k to design this and i did but you still got to develop it there's the, the back end server there's the front end servers, there's the how much you know, storage you're putting on the device itself, how much computing power you're putting in the device. All those things have to be considered by you as the business owner. Like, are we going to the product. default to Wi-Fi or are we going to default to GPS? Are we going to use network settings? And the location accuracy is better if you're doing a combination of the two of those. And it, it's, you know, I got a lot of respect for you. You probably got some new gray hair from this, but... It's, it's, in my opinion, it's the, it's the hardest business to run, but of course it comes with the most scale, you know, like you said earlier, like the stuff with the highest barrier to entry is where the biggest opportunity is. So, yeah, no, I mean, I'm excited for it, but it's, you know, again, if, if, if 
I built it to fix my problem. It just so happens to be a lot of people's problem. So I'll be excited to see where it goes, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited as well. We'll, you know, uh, we'll definitely share about it when, when we, uh, you know, when the app is actually available for people to use. But you know, definitely curious to hear their feedback. And I guess, you know, just uh, last week you were on with Bradley talking about the app. That's pretty cool on his podcast. And uh, we talked a little bit about it on the app. Uh, well, that that was actually just a, a quick meeting. I just, you know, being in the ERC deal has opened up. I mean, shoot, I think that's ultimately how I met you was was through Chris Harder yeah and with through Brad Lee and um, so it's allowed me to, to, to have conversations with people that I hadn't had in the past which you know coincidentally led into the app and you know getting feedback from people I just I know that uh, you know I've learned not that I'm not that smart all the time and you know going to, to the guys at the top is, is definitely super valuable so yeah, that's a that's a, a really interesting point I want to grab onto again as well because, like, I just read this book. It's called Who Not How, and it's all about uh, asking that question. Like, instead of how do I do this and spending four hours trying to learn to do it, who's a good person for the job who can do this? And I think you're an exemplary person of that because you're smart enough to not go in and get your hands dirty trying to do, like, software development or something like that. I think that was one of my biggest mistakes earlier in my career was I was trying to do everything thinking that I was – doing the good work, you know, I was working hard, I was working diligent, but the truth is, it's like the amount of ground that I covered was so small relative to what, like, let's just say a UI designer could have done in the same time frame when I'm actually like designing the business and stuff. So how, how do you, how do you go about like vetting your who's, you know, how do you go about like figuring out who's the right man for this job and, and buying yourself that time back? Yeah. So I'll start with like how I got good at that is I learned at a younger age, like the, the value of knowing what an hour your time's worth um, is what a lot of people probably, especially in the W-2 world, probably just look at, okay, here's my salary, that's what it's worth. But when you're a business owner or you're in business for yourself, you know, sometimes you gotta just stop and, and really look at where you make your money and how much you make when you're doing that task or that job you wear so many different hats as a business owner. Um, so knowing that number in the back of your head and knowing that the tasks that are thrown on your plate can be done for cheaper, that automatically now, there's not even a question that someone needs to handle. I might have to handle it for a couple weeks until I find someone, but as soon as I find someone, that's where it goes. So I'm a big proponent on um, you know, not putting out necessarily ads for jobs, uh, referrals, are gonna always be the better hire. Um, you know, perfect example of, I just go with gut mainly, perfect example of when they're not referrals is when I've met, for instance, the, 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 the go-to-market company that's helping me with the app. I met the guy at a bar, like in New York. We weren't even talking business. It just so happened that he did what I needed and he was, He's done it before and, you know, he didn't seek me out and I didn't seek him out. So there was just, you know, some of that gut, like he's got no angle on me. I've got no angle on him. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I think uh, that's, a, that's another interesting point is like the intuitive aspect of business. I was just talking about this with my partner yesterday. Like you, only so much can be added up in a spreadsheet, right? Like 
you can sit there like here's a perfect example we you know we built this new business that uh, distributes leads to all our different partner companies and instead of we, we started by having 10 campaigns for 10 different clients now we went down to having one campaign that feeds 10 different clients so now our workload is now reduced by 90 percent because we're not having to build 10 different campaigns right and then we we took it a step further by like you know doing other activities that created that kind of leverage but while we were doing that, we built our own custom software. And then we came to learn like a month and a half into doing it, there was already a boxed solution for what we needed. And so even that month and a half we spent building this beta version of the platform of the app, we could have bought that month and a half back if we had just looked for the who, right? And and then using that intuitive component because it's it's very, I think it's it's easier to be like, it's more difficult to be uh, the lazy business designer developer type who is saying, what's the easiest way to get this done? That That is more favorable than being the guy who's like, I'll do everything. And um, because when you're doing everything all the time, when you're doing a lot of task level work, you're out of your creative mindset. You're out of your uh, problem solving, your, your creative problem solving. You're out of your intuition because your mind is occupied. It's not in this kind of free blossoming thought mode. And I think that's part of why I think you've done such a good job with your all, all the different businesses that you're in because you have you have bought a lot of your time back through your passive income from former businesses. And so then you can be in your creative space more, traveling, experience different things, like meeting different people. Those all inspire new ideas. And I mean, even in this conversation. So I think you've done a good job of that. But uh, have, have, have you like done any specific work trying to develop your intuition or are you just somebody who was kind of born with that good uh, connection with your gut and, and, and that like that knowing? Um, so, I mean, there's books that, you know, really from the age of, I'd say, probably 28 to 35, I read two books a month, you know, every month. So, I mean, there's only so much develop, self-development you can do from books, but you know, I just failed. Like I, I, I messed it up, fucked it up big time, like, it, like a lot. But I learned too. And, you know, I think just having a, a good team around you and always letting people know, well, first of all, getting clear on who you're looking for, like literally to the T, what do they look like? What do they sound like? What skills do they have? All of it so that when you run into those people, you know, and you're not just, you know, walking by the, the perfect candidate to, to fill that position or, or what have you. But so knowing what you're looking for is, is super important. And, and when you run into these, you know, um, I, I mean, you really need to do an inventory. I would say I, I do my inventory weekly, but, you know, at least monthly of where you're spending your time. And what do you like to do? What don't you like to do? What are you good at? What are you not good at? And until you get to the point of like just making that that decision that you're you're not spending money by hiring someone, you're investing money to buy your time back because you can go make more for that dollar that you're putting out. Once you've actually gotten that concept and you actually started, you know, to act on it, finding the right people is is hard. But once you've found the right people, like now there's really anything that or nothing that can can take me out you know what i mean and, and especially with all the relationships that i've built 
by working on myself, doing what I say I'm going to do, being respected, you know, showing results, you know, you, you can take it all from me and I can do it all again. You know, let's truly believe that. Yeah, it's like this scaffolding that you built around your life of even if I get sick for a month, there's still people who can keep the house together, one, but two, like they're even better at their job than I am at their job, mm -hmm. right? Well, it did happen. I mean, I, shoot, a year, well, I guess it's been two years now. I got in a bad mountain biking accident, a shattered collarbone, four broken ribs, like put me out and I ended up having two surgeries. Like, like I couldn't even get on a, a freaking conference call. So that literally happened. And, you know, having a business that actually ran itself was vital. Otherwise, I don't know, you know, I don't know what I would have done. Wow. So what, what was it like in that month following it when you're laying in your bed, basically oh, comatose? Three months. three months. Yeah, I mean, it, what, what, what are the thoughts that were going through your head? What were you learning from this experience? You know, what was your intuition telling you? Well, so again, being through adversity in the past, I mean, this was a whole new thing because I had never really been really injured before. Like, you know, I sprained ankles, some cuts, bruises, whatever, but, um, but, you know, the pain pills they put me on, it just, you know, I've heard stories and I, you know, have experiences in my family of pain pills really messing up your head and like having these dark thoughts. I just remember like in my bed, like wow. thoughts I never would have had ever and immediately self-aware enough to just be like, all right, we're not taking those anymore. We need to get Damn. up and get some light. But, you know, that, that three, well, it ended up being three months because I'm a dumbass and after the first month and a half or whatever, when I thought I was healed, I was back in the gym and popped the bracket off that they put it in Good my shoulder Lord. and had to go back in under the knife and do it all again. So, you know, it wasn't fun. I'll tell you, it was not fun, but it, it did provide some perspective. It, I definitely was the one that's always jumping off stuff, going first on things and doing stupid stuff. But, you know, things hurt. They break. I'm getting old, so yeah, it all it all changes. At least I hesitate now before I do things. Got it. Yeah, I, I just find it funny how we look back on uh, painful experiences, um, almost in like an endearing way. You know, we we remember them like, damn that. First of all, I'm grateful I made it through that, and and I had enough self awareness to not fall into a mental pit. I mean that that's crazy to hear that you know th these thoughts you've never had before started popping up because you just medicated right but i mean i think that speaks at such a more macro level you know like how how we're kind of a generation of prescriptions and stuff but different story for a different day but um you know e even something that is basically near fatal for you became a constructive experience and i think that that's really why you're here today in terms of your success because you do take those experiences and and you know make hay while it rains you know and um i think we, we just have a tendency to create a lot of attachment to the the negative emotions with things and then you, like i was just doing this uh series on on manifestation and it says to not think about the subject of your manifestation too much because you will begin to obsess about it so you can obsess about the lack of not having the car or the house that you want same thing, you can get attached to these negative experiences and feel like you're damned or like you're, God, why me? And and it, it's really sad. I, I'm glad that you're sharing that because I think that a lot of people don't, they don't, they haven't had their self-awareness training to know that like that's actually a constructive experience, you know? 
well, you said it, why me? It's not about you once you've gone through something like that. It's not like I could take back the fact that I'm in bed with broken ribs and, you know, busted shoulders. Like, what am I going to learn from this and how can I, you know, give this away to someone else? And it's funny, I literally two days ago, um, two two of my agents, both of them, you know, had this nice little momentum going and then both of them get injured in different ways and it's like I knew what was going through their head I knew that like the excuses they were given themselves weren't weren't real and now I can actually say hey I know what's going through your head I've been through it here's what I did here's what you need to do I'm here for you and you know I I don't know that I would be able to talk like that if I hadn't gone through that you know what I mean yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great finding, and also you know people just respect the leader who who has actually done it. So um, you know wh- one of the kind of core tenets of this show is is the mindfulness aspect of business, and you talked about taking inventory on your time and really reflecting. Like, can you walk through what some of your mindfulness practices are or are not? You know, I, I asked, I think it was Dan Fleischman that same question. He's like, I don't do any of them, and he's super successful, so I got no judgment, you know. Sure. But you know, is there anything there for you that? Like routines and yeah, so I'm a techniques. I'm a big I'm a big list guy. So everything I, I feel like, and again, maybe this isn't for everyone, but I feel like people that don't sleep well at night is because they're probably not operating off of a list. Meaning there's stuff in their head that they're trying to subconsciously remember throughout the whole night. Therefore, they get a bad night's sleep. So whether that's true or false for for others, that's that's what it is for me. Um, but in all reality, though, like, I just need to focus on the things that need to get done, not all the things that maybe could wait or things I want to do. But so I'm a big list guy backed up by a calendar. Um, that would be probably my, my most rigid routine other than the gym and working out. I feel like is a good foundation to get your, you know, your mind right. Get, you know, that hard start the day hard type deal. So everything becomes easier. Um, but other than that, man, I mean, I just, <clears throat> I think as far as the actual mindfulness, I mean, it's very hard to shut off my brain. So, I mean, I enjoy cocktail here and there. And when I have my best ideas, it's usually with a decent buzz and or <laughs> while I'm sleeping, to be honest, like I'll have great ideas and I'll wake up and write them down. So, you know, I've tried the meditation thing and the <clears throat> cold plunge was as close as I could get to being consistent because you can't, you know, it almost forces you into a med- meditative state. <laughs> uh, but I think really just the gym and, and the sweat and podcasts is really kind of where I find my, you know, sweet spot. Yeah, that's great to hear. I, um, I have a lot of respect for people who don't feel they need to do a certain 6 a.m. morning routine or do these xyz things like if you can just be who you are like you have a very calm confident demeanor and it's because you're just being who you are you you may not need to meditate and do all this stuff in fact it sounds like a more journalistic approach is better for you where you write things down and get them out of your mind and on paper and that for a long time that would happen to me i'd lay in bed and then i'd be like oh shit i forgot to do this and then I write it down and I'll, I always put it into a list. And, and I now reflecting on it, I'm like, wow, that's really brought me a lot of pieces just writing stuff down. And now I actually just busted out my notebook and I've been you know, writing down my you know, MITs, my most important task for the day, 
by hand. Mm -hmm. And it's really organized things because it's like, I I can't have a list this big. I've only got a notebook this big, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I put a lot of work into actually reading about lists, like how, you know, everyone from like, you know, Beethoven to different presidents and just, you know, highly efficient people. And, you know, everyone's got their own way of doing it. I mean, mine's pretty simple. I just separate it into need to and should do. And if I don't complete something, it rolls over the next day, so I don't miss it. I mean, and I write mine out too. A lot of people like to try to you know, use an app or put it in their phone, put it in their virtual calendar, you know. But all that does is give you another way to be distracted, you know, because now all of a sudden, oh, you got a, an email or you got an alert, and just like keeping wow. it on a notebook has been you know very important that I do it that way yeah that's a that's a, a great kind of topper offer I would say because every time you like if you have a list app or use Google keep or something like that inherently you're gonna have to open a Gmail or maybe you're gonna have to open up your calendar or maybe just open up your computer and you get you know your notifications on the computer it's 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 such a toxic cycle that like I almost feel like all the productivity software is anti-productivity I'm, 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 I'm a big, I, I have still, let me put it this way. I'm able to accomplish more than anybody on my team. And I don't use the project management software that everyone else uses. So I don't know. Again, it's a case by case basis. It's really about what works for you. But like, I think there's something to be said about just tra- trusting your natural intuition and doing what feels right for you. And that's kind of where I always come back to, especially having been doing the show for, for a while now. And the, the, the essence of the show is essence. It's, it's intuition. Like it all, most, the, the most successful entrepreneurs I meet are confident in their intuition. And then they use that as their guiding light. And then the math oftentimes aligns to that rather than, you know, designing a life in a business off a spreadsheet. But, uh, you know, I think, I think you're, you're a good example of that. So, um, you know, I want to ask this last question. So like to kind of pull it all together, uh, Looking back, you know, you said you were living on Florida and you were, you know, your mom was sending you a little money here and there. I think you said you were like living with your sister and stuff like that. What would you tell, you know, that 24 year old self or whatever age you were, you know, if you could go back and spend five minutes, what would you tell your your younger self? I mean, it would just be drop the ego and believe more in yourself um, that you've been through a lot. You, you know, you, you, you have done a lot to be proud of um, a lot of people rely on you so just I mean honestly at that point it was, just, it was mainly an ego thing and I, and I finally got to that point where I think probably four or five years later did a lot of work and, and realized that I had an ego and how to you know get past that stage in my life but but yeah if, if I could have four years of, of no ego during that time would be uh, would be light years ahead be flying cars so uh just one last extension question on that uh how did you shatter your ego well it wasn't on purpose at first it was actually uh you know i had i'd been doing some work some some real good personal development and i was actually doing a, a a talk on ego and how to get rid of it and I had put some real work into it and I felt like man I'm here and funny enough as a, a guy that we worked pretty close with we used to have these like clearings as our leadership group and 
you know, looking back on it, I don't know that it was the best way to do it, but we would do them. Every time we got in person, anyone that had any issues on the team, we talked about it, and it was just all out there for the whole team. So, so basically like a venting session? A venting session with the idea that you can't move on with productive work if you're holding on to some type wow. of grudge. So it was, you know, radical transparency is what we we, we bled back then. But, um, but anyway, so this guy that I highly respect, respected and respect now, um, you know, basically started the meeting with, why the F is Eric doing a speech on ego? By, by the way, my mother works for the company and she was in that room. So this guy is just going off for like, Wow. Literally 15 minutes in front of everyone. I'm just sitting there taking it. In that moment... So he called you out in front of everybody. 100%. Jeez. In that moment, it would have easily been, you know, snatch this guy up by his, by his neck, little scrawny guy, and beat the shit out of him because that's just kind of where I came from. But I let him go. And after that, we, we got into it and... And that moment, I think, was like the switch to where the speech that actually ended up being perfect time to just kind of uh, launch into like who that new person was. But up until then, I don't. I think it might have been a fake speech, to be honest. So funny how the universe works, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, Eric, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for sharing so openly, and um, definitely want to leave some links in the show notes for people to follow up. Yeah, for sure. I've got a lot of good resources. So for sure, leave a, a, a link to people who want to get the ERC credit. Um, can definitely help with that. And then any business owners that have, well, any number of employees really, but, you know, revisiting the cost structures with the, with the services. So we'll definitely uh, leave a link to that. And then anything else that you uh, mentioned, like books and stuff like that. So. Appreciate you coming on, Eric. See you soon. Yeah, appreciate it, dude.